0: John chapter 4, where we ended last week. We ended at the the woman in the well. Uh, Jesus had just told her uh, about herself, and she had just been amazed. And so we're going to pick up in John chapter 27. But that video is a great illustration of, of Newton's third law. Now, I don't know if you are familiar with Newton's third law, but here's what Newton's third law is. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. That's Newton's third law. And it's the same way in our life. Do you know that? The things that we do impact others. The things that we do have a response. That video showed us just a series of things that uh, the ultimate goal was to pull down the banner about the accord. And it took a whole lot of little things to get there. But we're never going to forget that commercial. I saw it 14 years ago. I still remember it. It's one of those things that the little things that we do in life, they impact others. And so we pick up in verse 27 after following something of great significance that Jesus had done for the woman at the well. What, he did, what did he do? Jesus showed her grace. Jesus showed her great grace. And here was her response. If we look in John chapter 4, verse 27, uh, it says, then, Just then Jesus' disciples returned. And was surprised to find him talking with the woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with the woman? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way to him. So here's the thing. Jesus showed her grace. What'd she do? The Samaritan woman went and told others. That's... that's, That's an action and a reaction. The Samaritan woman received great grace from Jesus. Because again, remember what we said last week is that Jesus was in a place he wasn't supposed to be. He was talking to a person he wasn't supposed to talk to. And when he did that, what did he do? It opened up whole new avenues of ministry. This woman was blessed by the grace that Jesus showed her. Jesus paused. Now, the disciples, when they came back, what did they, they see? The, the disciples came back, verse 27, and they said, whoa, what, what's going on here? They saw something was off or was unusual, but they didn't really question it. But this is a great application of Newton's third law in life. Jesus offered grace. The Samaritan woman told others about what Jesus had done. Here's the the main idea I want us to think of for today. This is the main idea that I, I want us to think of today. Our actions or inaction matters. Our actions or our inactions, they matter. It's like a rock skipping across the water. Now, I don't know how many you can get at one time, but every time that that rock hits the water, what's it do? It leaves a ripple leaves a ripple our lives are the same way every time we talk to somebody every time we come in contact with somebody we have the option to leave a ripple a positive one or a negative one some of us aren't so good at leaving the positive ones we're really good at leaving the negative ones though right we come in we blow in we blow up we blow out and people are like what in the world was that Had you had that happen in your life where somebody just blows everything up and you're like, well, that is not what I was looking for today. One little thing can start a whole series of events in our life, can't they? A negative thing, a positive thing. You know, a few weeks ago we did our focused living retreat uh, with, well, the staff went through it and several other folks went through it. And one of the aspects of that uh, focus living retreat is creating a reflective timeline where you, you look at your life. And a lot of us don't do that. We don't stop to, to realize how we got here. And I'm not talking about Calvary. I'm not talking about New Jersey. Although maybe you are wondering how you got to New Jersey. Uh, but that's okay, right? We, we, we like living here, right? We're enjoying it? Wow, well, it's not a... Let's try that again. We like living in New Jersey, right? Hey! Oh, there we go. The guy that cut my hair yesterday said he couldn't imagine living anywhere else. And so the guy at the other, t- the other chair that was cutting somebody else's hair tried to convince him. Oh, yeah, you could live someplace else and be just as happy. And so I don't know. We're like in New Jersey. But how many of you just, you, you look back at things and go, man, how did I get here? And not where you're living, but how did you get to the spot that you're at? And you could start thinking about where people have made investments in your life, where people have said things to you where people have encouraged you, or people have discouraged you. You know, our life is filled with ups and downs. Ups and downs. Everybody's life is filled with ups and downs. It's what we do in those downs or in those ups, those pivots in our lives that really help us determine what God is doing in that moment. Because our actions or inactions it matters it matters for us it matters for other people it matters think of how much it mattered to that woman at the well that Jesus stopped to talk to her just stop paused everything he was doing transformed her life one of like we said it's one of the few places where he said I am the Messiah that's a big deal isn't it? it's a big deal And when she went back to the village, what do you see in verse 30? They came out of town and made their way to him. They made their way to him. In verse 31, here's what the disciples... It's kind of like a little sidebar here. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to to each other... Could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work. You have reaped the benefit of their labor. Man. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. He tells them, "I I don't need food. I don't need food. I'm sustained by something else. I'm sustained by something else. God has given me something else that will make me satisfied. That don't you have a saying, it's four months until the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the field. They are ripe for harvest. That idiom, that idiom, it's still four months until the harvest. It basically says, eh, it might come one day. That's what it really means. We'll see what happens. It might come one day. But here's what Jesus told them. The, har- the fields are ripe for the harvest; they're ready now. You should be ready to harvest today. John four thirty five. It says, "Don't you have a saying? They are ripe for the harvest." Which reminds us of what it says in Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter nine verse thirty five. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every sick, every disease, and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So think about this Jesus just finishes giving grace to this woman at the well and tells her that he's the Messiah. She goes and tells other people and they come to see him. And then the disciples come back and go do you need any food? And Jesus said, listen we're not worried about eating. We're not worried about physical food. We're talking about spiritual things here is what Jesus said. My food is working for God. And when we take that and we can connect it to Matthew chapter 9, what we're doing is we understand that Jesus gave us yet another example of what we're to do. When he says, I am fed by my work for the Lord, you know what he's really saying? You should be fed by the work of the Lord. You know, here's the, here's the funny thing in church. Um, I've had people tell me a number of times as a pastor, you know, I'm just not getting fed, so I'm, I'm going to leave. Have you ever heard that? Have you, you ever heard somebody say that? I'm not getting fed. I'm, I'm starving. I'm hungry. I'm not getting fed. You're not preaching. Listen, now listen, you'll, you'll never leave this church um, because of something theological, right? Because I'm going to preach the Bible. I promise you that. It's, it's never going to be the case. Um, I'll always, always, always preach the word of God. 100% committed to that. But it's amazing to me how many people will say, I'm just not being spiritually fed. Now, I'll tell you this right now. If the only time you're eating is on Sunday, you're going to be hungry throughout the week. You're going to be really hungry throughout the week. But if we see what Jesus said here, Jesus wasn't talking about physical food, was he? What was Jesus' food? My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. If you're feeling spiritually hungry, maybe it's time that you start trying to feed somebody else's meat. That's what Jesus did, didn't he? He, hadn't, he The disciples knew he'd be hungry. The disciples knew he hadn't eaten. But the disciples come back, you need something to eat. And Jesus said, no, I'm good because I'm doing the work of my father. When we start feeling spiritually drained, when we start feeling run down, when we start, what do we do? Sometimes we, we circle the wagons, we round up the horses, and we decide, I gotta start, I gotta start paying attention to me. I gotta worry about me, I gotta make sure I got me taken care of. Does that line up at all with what the word of God says? No. The word of God, the economy of God is different than the economy of this world. What does the Word of God tell us? The Word of God tells us to take the blessings you've received and give them away so that you can bless others. And who will take care of you? God. If you're feeling like you're starving spiritually, what should you do? Start giving out of what you already have, even though you feel like it's little, and trust that God will bless you with more. Because what did Jesus say his food was? To do the will of his You know, we can't fix our problems by focusing on them. We cannot fix our problems by focusing on them. The only people that fix our problems, the only one that can fix our problems is Jesus. I can't fix myself. If I could, I would have. If you could take care of your problems on your own, you would have done it already. Because you probably don't enjoy your problems, do you? The only person that can fix your problems is Jesus. So take the attention off of yourself and start serving someone else's needs, and see what Jesus does in your life as you give out of what you have. We're sustained by serving God. We're sustained by moving beyond our own little needs and focusing on someone else. I'm telling you, the the principle of the word of God, the principles of the gospel is to give, not receive. And I I promise you, as you go through this week and you think of all the things that God has done for your life, and you may have, you may have had a difficult life, but think of where you are today. You're sitting here in church. You're hearing an encouraging word from what God has for you. We're better off than so many other people. We're not sick. We're upright. This is one of the great things I love about Sue Callahan, uh, who she works in our finance office. We talked about uh, the miracle she received. Uh, she got a kidney transplant. And it was a, the doctor said it was a one in a million match, and she's still in the hospital. She she came home, got an infection, went back to the hospital, they had to do surgery. And but here's here's the thing, it hasn't gone a hundred percent smooth, but Susan is still praising God for her miracle. Why? Because she knows that God is taking care of her. Knee. the same for us. We get overwhelmed. We've all been there, haven't we? We get overwhelmed. How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to deal with this situation at work? Where's my food coming from? Everybody's had challenges in their lives. But what's the word God show us? Give as it has been given to you. And who's going to take care of you? Jesus. We don't have to we don't have to guard ourselves. We don't have to cover ourselves, because who is going to cover us? Jesus. When we read in Ephesians chapter six, talk about putting on the full armor of God, and this is this is a freebie. This wasn't in there. This they put on the full armor of God. We put the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness. You see all the different parts of the, the Word of God, uh, the, the armor of God. All of those words, you know what they describe? They describe Jesus. Who's my salvation? Who's my peace? Who's my faith? Who's the word of God? Who's the truth? Jesus. What Paul is literally saying in that section of uh, scripture is to cover yourself in Jesus because Jesus will protect you. Jesus will cover you. Your needs. He didn't say, Wrap yourself in your own security. He didn't say, Cover yourself with the shield of what I know. He didn't say, Cover myself with the helmet of uh, how I'm going to protect myself. No, what did he say? Cover yourself with Jesus, and Jesus will protect you. Jesus will take care of your needs. And that is literally what Jesus is doing here. He is being fed by serving. If you're spiritually starving today, let me tell you this: take the attention off yourself and put it on someone else. See what God is doing and see what God will do. I told you last week about a few opportunities, a couple of things that we have coming up, and I wanted to remind you in the middle of our message because they're um, they're very applicable. To this conversation, you know, every week we talk about giving, faith promises. We talk about our tithes and offering, but I think there's a whole lot to be said for actively engaging our faith, for actively engaging and participating with what God is doing. We told you that in February, late January, early February, we're going to go. We're going to Las Vegas, and we're going to be rescuing uh, women and children from human trafficking. It's during the the Super Bowl, that week before the Super Bowl. The reason we're doing it is because the Super Bowl is the uh, highest time for human trafficking. A lot of people don't want to acknowledge that we have human trafficking problems in the United States. We do. We do. And I'd encourage you, pray about it. We have sign-ups out in the foyer uh, to participate in that trip. I think it's $1,500. It'll be just a week long. It's an active way to take the focus off of yourself. Something else that we're doing as a church. Uh, this came to me, where's Diana at? Diana is, she was over there, she's probably taking care of her kids. Uh, sings on the worship team, Diana came to me a couple weeks ago, and um, they've seen God's blessing in their, in their lives. They've seen God's hand at work in their lives. And she said, my, my children, uh, and what we're, what we're going to do, my family, is that we're going to buy toys for children in local hospitals. And she goes, would the church like to participate in that? Well, that seems like a good thing to participate in, doesn't it? And so starting December 5th, we're going to have three Sundays where we collect toys. And the women's ministry is doing it as part of their covered dish dinner on December 2nd. Uh, They're going to collect toys. And we're going to give those toys out to children currently in the hospital. So we're taking unwrapped toys for children the ages 0 to 22, because that's the pediatric unit. Uh, And if we get too many toys for Jersey Shore, guess what? We'll go to another hospital. I'm trusting that God's going to bless the hospitals here from this congregation with two or three hundred different gifts. So this is how we take the attention off ourselves, is by being open-handed people that say I am in a season where I can bless somebody else. It doesn't have to be a big gift, but it's going to be a gift that has significance to somebody that's in need today. That's one of the things we have coming up. This, This is so in line with what the Gospels tell us to do. This is so in line with what the Gospels tell us to do. We are to bless Others. And I love that the, the, the giving toys to children in the hospital was birthed in the heart of one of our congregants. God speaks to all of us, doesn't he? God blesses us as we listen to his heart. We listen. He's got a call on each and every one of us. And he invites us to participate in with him. We were talking about it this past Wednesday night. God is always talking. The question is whether or not we are listening. And so let me encourage you. If you want a missions trip to Las Vegas, not everyone can do that. I understand that, but we'd love to have you be a part of the team. Toys for children in the hospital. That's going to start December 5th. And then the third thing that we have, we talked about it last week. We've got a Christmas breakfast that we're we're encouraging our congregation. We would love to have you come and serve at it, but then also invite a friend or a neighbor to come to it with you not for them to work, but for you to have breakfast together. Now you might not be able to do that, and so we'll take we'll take sign-ups, we'll have them actually out in the foyer for you to come and work, and at the end of service, the ushers are going to distribute something to you. They're going to distribute just a piece of paper that I want you to write a name on of someone that you're going to invite. And then in a couple of weeks, we'll have something for you to do again that you'll be able to invite someone. As a church, We want to be what Jesus demonstrated in John chapter 4. Jesus showed grace. The Samaritan woman responded. And when she responded, it changed things for that whole village. It changed things for that whole village. What's it saying? In verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really, is really the Savior of the world. It's a lot like this. The woman was kind of like a, a Facebook review or a Yelp review or a Google review why don't you throw, the, throw that one up there she, she shared the testimony of what Jesus had done in her life what Jesus had shown her and when she did that it opened a door for other people you know you might not realize this we have people that check us out online all the time they check us out on Facebook they check us out on Yelp Maybe. How, many of you, how many of you have ever gone to a restaurant just because of a Yelp review Yeah, we do it all the time we're new to the area in case you didn't figure that out We're new to the area, and so Heather loves to search for on Yelp. And there's times that we'll go places, and we'll go places that have high ratings, and we'll get there, and we're like, I am not sure what in the world these people were talking about. But what got us there? Somebody else's testimony. Somebody else said, hey, this is a good place. And we don't even know that person. We don't even know the person. But you get enough five-star reviews, we'll give it a shot. We'll give it a shot. And so that's the same thing that happened here. This woman gave a good review of Jesus. And that's what it says in verse 39. It's not in verse 39, but in verse 42 it says, We no longer believe just because of what you said. They came because of what she said. She said this guy might be the Messiah. And so they came to check it out. See, our testimony opens the door for other people. That's why I'm so much encouraging you to invite someone to an event, to invite someone to church. Because people, the studies have shown that 80% of people will come to church if they are invited to church. Now, we can do online advertising. We can do a big old mailer. You know, we used to do a lot of mailers in my church down in Virginia. We would, for Easter, we'd send out 2 50,000-piece mailers. Do you know what a good return rate is on a 50,000-piece mailer? 1%. 1%. Do you know how much it costs to send out 50,000 pieces of mail? About $9,000. 1%. Do you know how much it costs us as a church for you to invite your next-door neighbor to come to church? doesn't cost me a dime. And it's way more effective. Way more effective. We as a church have to take the attention off of ourselves and put it on someone else and invite them to come along because our testimony opens the door to someone Coming to meet Jesus, our testimony opens the door the Samaritan woman told them about Jesus that's why they came because her report was good they stayed they stayed because the food was as good as she said it was they came to check it out and they found out that Jesus was everything she said it was everything listen it's not my job to save anybody It's not your job to save anybody. What do we do? We create the invitation. We create the opportunity. We say, come and join us. Let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. Let me tell you what Jesus has transformed in me. Let me tell you why I follow Jesus. Listen, telling other people about Jesus is not scary if all you're talking about is your favorite subject, which is you. If you're talking about you, what Jesus did in your life, How Jesus transformed you. Man, that's easy. Nobody knows you better than you. How many of you have a testimony of what Jesus did in your life? Of how you've been changed by Jesus? I do. Jesus has done something huge in my life. He's changed it. He's shaped me. He has molded me. He has made me who I am today. And I am happy to tell people about how important Jesus is to me. The woman received grace. She went and told others. She took the attention off herself, didn't she? She took the attention off herself so much. What did it say in the first verse there? In verse 27. She, oh, I'm sorry, verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, her whole reason for coming to the well was to get water. And she took the attention off of her water so that she could go tell other people about Jesus. She forgot about her needs and focused on somebody else. You have been given a great testimony of what Jesus has done in your life, and you have the opportunity to open the door for somebody else because I promise you this the food that Jesus offers, the water that Jesus offers, is every bit as good as you remember it to be. And when you tell others about it, when you tell others about it, it changes their life. It's like a story that was uh, shared in USA Today. There was a Starbucks in Georgia that a, a customer came up and there in the drive-thru and placed an order. And the, the barista that was taking the order said, well, the car ahead of you paid for your order. Would you like to do the same for the person behind you? That was at 7 o'clock in the morning. Now, everyone likes free coffee, don't they? We were talking Team Challenge. Everybody liked coffee, right? You you never fail with coffee in my mind. Well, the second person in line did the same thing. They paid for the person behind them. The third person did the same thing. The fourth person did the same thing. It lasted until 7 p.m. 386 people paid for the coffee of the person behind them. But it started with the first one. It started with the first one. And it ended when somebody said, no thanks, I don't want to pay for the person behind me. Our action or inaction matters. Do we tell people about Jesus? Or do we say, hey, I got a free cup of coffee. I don't have to help anybody else, I'm good. Listen, the book of John is a great example of how to live. Jesus showed grace, the woman's life has changed. And when we learn to take our attention off ourselves, when we learn to focus on others, man, the impact can be